If you're looking for a podcast to give you suggestions on how to handle your spring allergies. Oh, well, um, find it and then tell us where to find it. Yes. Because it's not us. At least, yeah, no, this this isn't that podcast. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage podcast, where a longtime married couple takes turns each episode selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary we watch. We watch it together, and then we sit down to discuss it and talk about how we either like it, love it, or love it. Uh, I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. I haven't posted my review for Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Um, but it's fine. I think the magic has gone out of the Harry Potter franchise. Eh. Any hoodzle. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan. You can follow the podcast, at CT Marriage. You can get in touch with us by sending us an email, ComedyTragedyMarriage at gmail.com. And uh, you can also get in touch with us simply by touching the link in the description of this episode and leaving us a voice message. Joining me, as always, is my uh, lovely wife of nigh on 36 years, my other half. Aww. Um, Maud the Woody Woodpecker Broad. Okay. That's a stretch. It's a stretch. I'm doing what I can. Okay. It was my choice this week, and I went with the 2011 release, The Cabin in the woods hence the woody part yeah i got i got it uh it stars Kristen connelly chris hemsworth anna hutchinson fran kranz jesse williams richard jenkins bradley whitford and more um it is uh it's it's, it's a things. it's a hybrid yes kind of movie um it looks at first like it's some sort of perhaps um, office place kind of comedy um, and then we are introduced to our our five um, college age protagonists uh, as they prepare to run off for a weekend at a cabin in the woods uh, you have um, Chris Hemsworth before People knew, well, actually, by this time, people knew him as Thor, but when the movie was actually made, he hadn't starred in Thor yet. Yeah. It was made in 2009. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is a sociology major and a football jock. Uh, he plays a guy named Kurt Vaughn. Um, his um, girlfriend, Anna Hutchison, uh, plays Jules, and she is a pre-med student, uh, and Kurt's girlfriend, as I said. Kristen Connolly plays Dana. She is a um, somewhat repressed student who doesn't have much of a social life, despite the fact that she's gorgeous. Um, Fran Kranz is Marty, a, a pothead. And, He's a brilliant stoner. Yeah. And Jesse Williams plays Holden, who is a teammate of Kurt's on the football team, but he's also very, very smart. He even gets referred to at one point as an egghead, I believe. was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they go up to the cabin in the woods. It is very secluded, one way in, one way out. Um, and they you know, start enjoying their weekend, their, you know, the the couple, you know, Kurt and Jules are um, planning on having lots of sex, and uh, the they're hoping that um, um, Dana and Holden will hook up, and, you know, Marty is... Marty's, just there. Marty is the stoner fifth wheel right. who just kind of spins in his own orbit. Right. Uh, but He's then, shaggy. But yeah, kind of. 
but there's no Velmas and no Scoobies um, in this particular but telling. there's kind of a Daphne and kind of a Freddy. Hmm. Those are those are um, Jules and Kurt. Um, all of a sudden, a door in the floor opens up, and they go downstairs, and uh, they go under the cabin, and there's all this stuff down there. All uh, you know. Family Antiques. artifacts. This yeah. is, uh, the cabin apparently, allegedly, belongs to some ancestors of Kurt's. Well, cousins, I think, was, was specifically who they mentioned. And it had been in the family for, like, generations. And they, they go down and investigate, and they find all this stuff. Uh, and each one of them is drawn to a particular thing. And the thing that... Um, Dana is drawn to is a diary mm-hmm. of a, a family from, you know, like in the 1800s. And there's a lot of talk of, um, you know, pain and suffering and the black cleansing, room. cleansing the soul in the black room and, and uh, how um, their suffering on earth will lead to, you know, happiness in the next life, uh, and there's a passage that Dana reads in Latin, which apparently is some sort of incantation as these zombies pop up out of the ground outside the cabin uh, and begin ambling towards them. Uh, they don't see them yet because they're still under the uh, under the cabin floor, and they come up and then um, Kurt and Jules are going to go off and go swimming and or, or find a place to have sex actually and uh, typical horror movie fair yes and that's where they're attacked by the zombies now what none of the five of them knows right off the top is that they are a sacrifice to the old gods um, and their every move actually Pretty much everything they have done since uh, they got to the cabin has been directed by these uh, workers in a control room. Actually, prior to the cabin, because they stopped for gas, and that old dude was in on it, too. Yeah, yeah, he was, uh, which I still don't quite understand what his purpose was. But anyway, um, I believe they call him the Harbinger. That, yeah. But um, but uh, they have the cabin rigged with doors they can lock and they can uh, shoot uh, chemicals into the air to uh, make the uh, college students more susceptible to the, the sort of script that they want them to follow. Their whole environment's controlled, actually. They, right. can, they can shoot pheromones into the forest. They can beam shafts of light down where they want them to take note of a certain place, and mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. And it's like the whole environment and everything is um, scripted and controlled, and they think that all the contingencies have been, a plan- have been planned for. Right. And... Um, Each of them is a sacrifice, as I said, to the old gods. Each of them represents um, a different um, aspect of humanity. For instance, Kurt is the athlete. Jules is the harlot, even though they don't call her harlot. They call her a much worse word. Uh, And uh, Marty is the fool. And uh, Holden is the scholar. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Dana, Dana is, is the, virgin. the virgin. Now, her death is optional because she can either die last. Or not at all. But whatever happens, she needs to be the last one left. Yeah. She's She is, in this scenario, the final girl. And if uh, there are these sacrifices set up all over the world, and this time... All of them have failed, and if the United States team doesn't deliver the sacrifices, then the old gods will rise up and destroy the earth. 
It's like a really twisted Olympics. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Um, and you know, U.S. wants to beat Japan because you know U.S. is second to Japan, and we try harder, mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. Um, it's it's twisty. Yes, it is. Uh, it's kind of like Inception, but different. Completely different, but yes, but very kind much of like, like it. Yes. Um, this was uh, the story was written by Joss Whedon of Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer fame. Mutant Enemy Productions, arg, and uh, his uh, somebody he worked with on both Buffy and Angel, uh, Drew Goddard, and Goddard directed the movie. Mm-hmm. They wrote the script in three days. I'm kind of not surprised. <laughs> They describe it as an attempt to revitalize the slasher genre and as a critical satire of torture porn, which was quite popular for a time with folks like Eli Roth and his Hostel Mm -hmm. films and remakes of um, uh, Last House on the Left and and, and stuff like that. It reminded me a little bit of the tongue-in-cheek nature of Scream. Yes, uh, it, it is a... It's it, a similar flavor. It, it is a, a genre film that is commenting on itself. On its own genre, yeah. Um, now, it was originally slated for release uh, in 2010, but the, the uh, studio, Metro-Golden-Mayer, MGM, uh, and United Artists uh, were having financial problems, so they ended up canceling the release and then it got picked up by Lion it got bought by Lionsgate, Lionsgate and was released in 2012 it um it, it had a usually when a movie has a sort of torturous cre- creation mm-hmm. um that's a bad sign but this was strictly its distribution to theaters um it's not like you know, they had to fire a bunch of people during the making of it. and Yeah, five know. different directors, right. eight different script writers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and in this particular instance, it was just the, distribu- the studio and distributor couldn't afford to release it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it was sold, they, uh, it did finally get out into theaters. And I enjoyed the film quite a bit. Um, the, uh, the irreverent take on the whole monster movie slasher uh, devil kind Zombie, of the, yeah the, all the things all, and in the end they're all sort of mixed together um, as we go further into the film um, I enjoyed that sort of meta take on mm-hmm. on because you know Freddie and Jason and Michael Myers and um, all those guys had run their course. I mean, they, they still had a, a few attempts to uh, revitalize those franchises, but they were pretty much done. Played out, and you, even if there were more, you knew what was coming. Well, that, and they got progressively cheaper as time went on. Um you know, the studios that were making them were like, you know, we can crank these things out all, you know. I can do this all over. day long. We can we can just keep making them and keep making them. And mm-hmm. yes, the, the formula is the same. All we got to do is bring in a new group of uh, nubile teenagers to kill. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, uh, and they got progressively sillier and sillier and. Uh, I think the the crowning achievement of the silliness was Jason Goes to Manhattan, or Jason Takes Manhattan, one of the Friday the 13th movies, where I think they weren't actually allowed to use Friday the 13th because there were some rights issues, yeah. but they could use Jason. I, I don't quite understand all of that. But, uh, yeah, that is that and Jason X, where Jason goes to space, uh Wow. Two of the sillier entries in that particular franchise. Uh, but, you know, 
they were groundbreaking when they were made um, and for their use of special effects and stuff. But for their earlier iterations yes. were, yeah. Uh, but as time went on, and the Halloween franchise as well, uh, they just, they they were stretching an already thin story even thinner to try to make yet another sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, all of those kinds of horror movies were sort of played out. And the Blumhouse kind of horror, uh, which granted is a factory and they churn out, um, you know, sequel after sequel, but they they apply a bit more imagination to their stories. Fresher. Yes. And uh, I think this film was a part of that sort of horror renaissance. Um, As of, it were. Yes. Of a, um, a, a unique story told in a unique way, but using all the same kinds of... Um, Devices. Yeah, the same sort of axe-wielding murderer, mm-hmm. uh, seemingly unstoppable. Zombies. Um, and and it, uh, it was a breath of fresh air in a very sort of stale genre. genre. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. What did you think of it? I'm going to surprise you. Yeah, you know you're not. Yeah, I really liked it. Oh, yeah, I could tell. I oh, could, okay, good. Because even, you know, if I show you something that you despise, it's difficult for you to uh, hide your revulsion. I have resting hate face. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but... No, I do. <laughs> if if I had, like, with it and, you know, some of the other things that we've watched that I have not enjoyed, I totally have resting hay face. Yeah, that, that troubled me about It Chapter One. Oh, but. it sucked. Oh. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, okay. Um, uh, anyway. And, and I was concerned that this one might you might feel the same way about because it's gory um, in places. There's score, there's language, there's, you know, all manner of objectionable, not-for-kids kind of material, mm-hmm. all of that being said. Neither of us are children. Neither of us are ch- Well, you know, we take turns being ch- childish. Um, all of that being said, um, there were lots of moments of juvenile humor, mm-hmm. which I totally love that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very tongue-in-cheek and very meta and... Um, and I liked that aspect very much too. And it's like it, it. I'm not a horror movie person, but I don't really consider this strictly a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked it. All right. Yeah. Well, you know. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. I mean, it it does throw in some of the things we expect from horror movies. We get um, a quick look at um boobies jewel's breasts yes um and there's blood there's a lot of there is a lot of blood i mean she is the harlot so she's being punished for being you know giving her her precious gifts so easily (sighs) whatever (laughs) Uh, it's a trope they they never punish the trope they never punish the guy for being the one accepting those um um gifts uh, so readily, but um, yeah. Uh, Welcome to American society. Yeah, I know. Actually, it's not just American society, but it's like you know we're always punished for being women. But whatever, that's a whole another soapbox and, that I'm not going to. An, an climb entirely up on. different podcast, which you know she may start next week. We uh, just don't know, do we? We don't. We don't. Um, but you know, there's there's. There's a lot going on in the film that is both familiar and very new. For instance, you know, down in that control room, everybody gathers to see Jules' breasts. There's just a bunch of guys standing there waiting. Yeah, it's like, bow, chicken, wow, wow. (laughs) And then they get interrupted by a zombie and everybody's upset. Yeah, it's like, and it's like freaking NASA and DEFCON 1 Mm -hmm. with this, with these, all of these um, team members and various departments and Mm -hmm. stuff taking bets on who's going to, you know, and um, it's like this, 
apparently huge enterprise um, controlling this particular set of sacrifice to the ancient you know gods who are going to be mad and in the world if they people don't die in the right order and if, stuff if they don't get their blood yeah um yeah it's it 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 takes all of those things that i mean it's it's sort of both it it's a zombie movie it's a slasher movie it's a monster movie uh, and it's also a workplace comedy mm -hmm. to some degree because you know we spend a decent amount of time down in the control center. Mm -hmm. um, it's very office space, right? Where we we see the two uh, main technicians uh, played by R Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford, um, who are guiding everything and and flipping switches to make the pheromones come out at the right time or or releasing um, the monsters or opening or closing doors, mm -hmm. guiding the victims to what will ultimately be their demise, hopefully, to keep the gods happy. There's a, and, and there's a lot of humor thrown in. Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't mind, you know, uh, biting the hand that feeds it. No, it's poking fun at itself. Yeah, it's it's trying to say, look, you know this is stupid. We know this is stupid. We know that you know this is stupid. Let's all enjoy the stupid together. So let's just let's just crank up the stupid to 11 and have some fun with it. Yeah, just roll with it. And it, this is this is an excellent um skewering of the um, of the genre and of the idea that you can just uh, tell the same story over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and expect it to still make millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. um, and not put any thought into it. There was a great deal of thought put into this, yeah, including the running joke that Bradley Whitford's character says about wanting to see the mermaid. The merman, yeah. And um, he's told, no, it's, 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 it's a huge mess. The cleanup on that is enormous. Um, and that pays off near the end of the film. Uh, there's, it's, it's just a lot of fun from beginning to end. And it's smart. It is uh, something that most horror movies are not. Exactly. Um, it is commenting on itself, and it is also commenting on the um, the the people who are in the control room, who are as much a trope as the victims are. Um, because you know they are these mindless drones who are just doing what they have been told to do, mm -hmm. what they have been trained to do, and aren't giving any thought to the pain and suffering of the victims. Actually, the pain and suffering is a big plus for the gods. Yeah. Um, so it's you know kind of a commentary on government and and things of that nature. Powers uh, that be, yeah. Yeah, as long as the power is served, then it doesn't matter what kind of suffering you you create as long as those in charge remain in charge. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a it is I think a a really smart film that fortunately came out before Joss Whedon kind of Imploded, crap the bed with his behavior, mm. uh, and people were no longer afraid to call him out on it. And he has, at least as far as I know, disappeared from from entertainment. He got pulled off a bunch of stuff, um, and you don't really hear much about him in. In the entertainment media, I keep an eye on things like Variety and Deadline and mm -hmm. stuff like that, and nothing to be seen. <laughs> he is laying low, right? Uh, especially since 
it wasn't just on the Justice League reshoots where he apparently was um, awful. Uh, it apparently went all the way back to Buffy and how the story is that he was not supposed to be in a room alone with any of the female actresses. Um, so, you know, um, you know, there's the whole debate about separating the art from the artist, and you know, Picasso was a womanizer and a probably abusive, um, and you know, any any famous creative person can probably be. Um, Cancelled, as the an saying goes. A-hole. Yes. Uh, but all that can, you know, and I went to see um, Fantastic Beasts 3, uh, as it's referred to in shorthand, and J.K. Rowling is, you know, for some reason, and I don't quite understand this, she is so hateful about trans people but one of the main characters in the Harry Potter universe is gay and nobody talks about it. I mean nobody says yay or nay within that universe. Mm -hmm. he, he just is and when people find out it's like being told that He's left-handed. Right. It's 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 a non-issue. It's just a non-issue. And on that, she's 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 okay. But then the whole trans thing. She she's she's so adamant about that that it's it's just really ugly. And again, separating the art from the artist. She wrote the script on the screenplay and the book. Uh, on which the movie is based, but, uh, you know, and the movie's not very good, so I don't know that I'll be investing any more time and money into that franchise. the Fantastic Beasts universe. And, you know, I think I'm done for reasons other than, but that are, that don't necessarily not include the fact that she's an awful person. Okay. All right. Well, well, do you have anything else to say about Cabin in the Woods? I don't have anything else to say about that. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll rate it when we come back. Not going to be a real big surprise, I don't think. And then we'll also talk about what we've watched, and in some cases, listened to, right after this. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We watched The Cabin in the Woods. And I turn to my lovely wife, Maud, the uh, Woody Woodpecker Woody Broad. Broad. What rating do you give The Cabin in the Woods? I'm going to rate The Cabin in the Woods for oozing zombies. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to give it five oozing zombies. Well, you will, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's funny. It uh, does not take itself at all seriously, but it manages to deliver some, some decent action and some scares, mild scares. Excuse um, me, hiccup. And uh, I think it's very much worth your time. You can rent it on a bunch of places, and I think you can watch it for free on Tubi, but you have to watch commercials. Yeah, there'd be commercials there. Yeah. So, and because it wasn't cut, wasn't edited for commercials, They'll seem real out of place. It'll be, yeah, it'll be, excuse me, jarring. I'm, I'm developing hiccups. I'm so sorry. Well, stop it. Um, what, if anything, have you watched? Okay, I haven't been watching a ton of stuff, but um, I have been sort of doing a bit of a dive into um, something on Discovery Plus, which I think maybe was originally, these were originally on ID. Mm-hmm. Um, Deadly Devotion and most of these episodes there's a lot of reenactment obviously but most of these episodes deal with like um, the premise is some sort of um, cult or religion or something like there was a Jehovah's Witness one there was 
um, two or three Amish ones where like some person involved in some um, religion or cult or something like that um, goes cray cray and kills somebody. Mm-hmm. And um, I, <laughs> you were walking through um, and one of the Amish episodes was on and you're like, didn't you already watch an Amish one? I'm like, yeah, this is a different Amish one. And I, and please, if you're Amish, do not send me hate mail. But I don't. They think won't they be can. listening. That's right. They won't be listening. So, um, but I, I remarked to you, mostly joking, but only a little bit serious. Yeah, when the Amish go bad, they appear to go real, real bad. And before anybody gets angry, we. We're talking about individuals within that community. Yeah, these particular no, no, no. These particular um, people um, like murdered their families and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's you know it is it is not indicative of an entire group of people. We do not paint with a twelve-inch brush here. When when they're talking about the cult, yeah, that was a group of bad people led by an even worse person. Yeah who was able to convince them that he knew everything and that the end times were around the corner if they could just purge their group of the evil, sinful presence, mm-hmm. which was this very average family with mm-hmm. three children, like like 17 or 16 to 7 or yeah. something like that. That's yeah, awful. And I've, I've heard that story before on other... Um, shows or podcasts yeah yeah. so a different angle of the true crime situation um i've been enjoying well enjoying them is not exactly enjoying slash guilty pleasure slash um boy that's messed up Mm -hmm. i feel kind of slightly better about my own universe now yeah yeah um, also, something that I highly, I cannot recommend strongly enough, um, there's a documentary which is now streaming on PBS called Theirs is the Kingdom. Um, this documentary chronicles the creation of a 10 by 20 foot fresco inside the Haywood Street Congregation Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, the Haywood Street Congregation is a United Methodist Fellowship. They are, um, they feed hungry people and homeless people every day of the week. They hold services for anybody who can come and go as they please. It's come as you are. Um, they have a medical, um, a post-medical recuperation arm known as the Haywood Street Respite um, where homeless people can recover from medical procedures. Um, it's They're doing such valuable work. They were awarded a $72,000 grant for the creation of this fresco and they talked to the artists who worked on it, the chief artist who conceived and designed the whole thing um theirs is the kingdom speaks to the sermon on the mount the the beatitudes blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are the peacemakers blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and the um the fresco mural is um composed of faces of people served by the um by the Haywood Street congregation mm-hmm. or in some cases people who work there mm-hmm. um and we meet we meet the people who posed and were depicted um in the fresco and we hear their stories of homelessness and addiction and um, it's an hour of your time that you will, you can watch and feel better about the world you live in. Um, cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, I streamed it on the PBS app, so mm. um, theirs is the kingdom, um, and it just just came out, premiered in March and April this year. So 
And that's kind of what I've been doing. Oh, I am also reading Ann Patchett's 2021 release, um, These Precious Days. It's a book of essays. I'm almost halfway through. It's glorious. Mm -hmm. And she just, she talks about people she knows, anecdotes from her life, um, her family, uh, just, it's just wonderful stuff. I, I, and, and we're going to be in Middle Tennessee this weekend, and I want to go to her store. Okay. Um, you, we are, we are also in the third season of Animaniacs. Yes. Well, this is when Pinky and the Brain had their own show. And when they moved from Fox Kids to the, the WB kids, at WB the time. Kids, yes. And, um, uh, now we've, we had a joke credit involving an assistant to one of the producers named Catherine Page. She was a shark wrangler. She, you know, was various and sundry things over the course of the first two seasons. Yeah, and every episode was a different credit. Right. Now, in the third season, the Catherine Page, maybe she left the, the no, show. No, she's, she's still there. Okay. She's just a regular Credit. person now in the credits uh, they have started doing different joke credits and usually uh, I mean for some reason they list what episode number it is as if that's a credit yeah um, this is episode 72 or 73 actually they skip 72 they did skip 72 uh, unless we're not watching them in broadcast order I don't know. I mean, it seems like we are, but maybe 72 for some reason is not on Hulu. I don't know. It could have something. To, it could be copyright clearances with music or something. I don't know. Any number of things. But right. anyway, continue. Um, and they have a, a different kind of joke credit. Uh, one of them was written backwards. And... We, we've been freezing them so that we can read them fully. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of troublesome because the um, the you know the the counter the time counter at the bottom of the page comes up and stays there when you pause on Hulu. Um, but one of them was written backwards and it said, "Paul." Isn't the walrus? Paul wasn't the walrus. Wasn't the walrus. Yakko, Yakko was, was the, the walrus. walrus. And it was a Beatles-themed episode. Mm. Um, so that, you know, ref kind of, it's a nod to the whole Beatles, I am the walrus. Well, and also thing. backward masking. Yes. Um, and um, that apparent, that the conspiracy theorists will tell you was the admission that Paul was dead. Yeah. Um, and replaced by um, a, du a double, um, and I, I forget. He's what barefooted in that album cover. The, the all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember what the first one was, but it was um, the first one we saw where we noticed it. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it said, but anyway, those are just little things. That little Easter we're eggs enjoying to look for, looking yeah. at for uh, for Animaniacs on Hulu. Um, I l started listening to a uh, along the same lines a podcast called Truthers. Tiffany Dover is dead with an asterisk next to it. It is an NBC News podcast. Ah. Tiffany Dover is a nurse, present tense, because she's not dead. Um, who was shown on a local TV news broadcast in Chattanooga getting the first dose of the COVID vaccine. Oh, was she the one who, like, keeled over? Yes, she okay. passed out. Tiffany Dover keeled over. <laughs> and sorry, that set off the Internet with all the conspiracy theorists that the... Um, vaccine was dangerous, that it hadn't been properly tested, that so on and so forth. There are and nanobots yada, yada, yada. in it. Well, you know, they were just saying that it it just killed her instantly. Yeah. Um, or within five minutes after she got it. It, it didn't. Uh, she was alive and well. She um, 
has apparently some anxiety and the fact that she was being interviewed on the TV news after receiving this shot, all of that sort of built up and she passed out. Yeah. Uh, I think it's perhaps that vasovagal response that your, your friend had. Could be. She could have POTS. She could have just, you know, needed breakfast and didn't get it. Uh, all Lots of this. Of things. There's a million different things it could have been. The one thing it certainly wasn't was that the vaccine killed her. And, uh, of course, the Internet ignores the truth. Uh, you know, do your research. And said that she had died. And any time that she was shown in pictures, like on vacation with her family, they said those were old photographs. Or when she was talked to on the news another time after she'd passed out, that was uh, a, a duplicate, a replica, a clone, whatever. Um, and and that she was dead. Yeah. And the hospital doesn't want to talk about it. Um, Ms. Dover doesn't want to talk about it. Her family doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, because they have been the targets of the internet nutcases in QAnon. Um, who believe that she is dead and anybody saying that it's her is some sort of replacement. So this podcast just started. There's two episodes out. Uh, it's available wherever you get them. Uh, Truthers, Tiffany Dover is dead with an asterisk. Uh, it is an NBC News podcast. And it Think is about very, Pam! Uh, that. Um <laughs> And it is very well done. She thoroughly researched. You know, they've flown all over. Uh, because even though she works at a hospital in Chattanooga, she actually lives in North Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, that's where her house is. And they drove to her house, which is in a very rural area. And they've they've gone through all kinds of public records death certificates, police reports, um, tax records, all of it, and they can find no evidence that she died, and they can also, they can't get a hold of her to talk to her to prove she's alive, not that that would be proof to these nut jobs, so, but it's, it's fascinating, and and they bring in the whole Paul is dead thing Mm -hmm. uh, early on about how a rumor can can begin and how it can flourish yeah. and how no matter how ridiculous it sounds if you know people decide that is true they will do whatever they can to continue that belief and the same is with her yeah um and also somewhat connected to that is the other thing I watched, which is uh, the first two episodes of Cursed Films, uh, season two on Shudder. The first two episodes are The Wizard of Oz, and I'm not gonna remember what the second one is. Wizard of Oz. I can't remember. Okay. Um, I actually watched the last episode of season one also, yeah, and that was the Twilight Zone movie, okay. the death of Vic Morrow and those two chill, child actors. Yeah, and they have some footage of that that I've never seen before. Disturbing. Well, it is so incredibly brief and just a flash of when the helicopter crashes, and of course it was shot on film, mm-hmm. it transferred to uh, video, and now blown up. But you can see the, you, you can't see any gore, but you can see the blade crashing onto them. Oof. And you know what happened. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, uh, what connects The Wizard of Oz to the podcast is there was this, um, and they had a lot of trouble making this movie because all the effects had to be practical. Uh, the Wicked Witch of the West, um, a fire effect went off too early and she was severely burned. Um, and the fact that she was wearing a kind of makeup that contained copper uh, just made that injury worse. worse. 
uh, talked about Buddy Epson. Yeah, he was aller- He was supposed to be the Tin Man, but he was allergic to the paint. Well, he wasn't exactly allergic to it. What they used was uh, white clown makeup and then put aluminum powder on top of that. Yeah. Well, the powder was so fine, he was inhaling it. Ugh, and it coated his lungs, and he had horrible pneumonia, uh, and he had other issues, like his hands would cramp, his hands, feet, and legs would cramp up, and he yeah. got to where he couldn't walk. And then for the rest of his life, he was very susceptible to bronchitis, so yeah, he had obviously had some lung scarring. damage, yeah. But uh, there was that. Um, but the... The rumor, the internet rumor, is is that in one shot, as uh, all four characters are, I think it's all four characters, are getting ready to go down the yellow brick road, mm-hmm. um, that you can see something in the background that, that people have been claiming is one of the actors who played a munchkin had hung himself. Oh my gosh. And you could see him in what? the background kind of swinging back and forth <gasps> a little bit Ew. it's not true it is manipulated video oh my gosh you can find it on youtube okay. if you want to look at it and they claim that there's different uh versions of the movie uh one version that came out that is extraordinarily rare on videotape um, that you can't find anymore, and then subsequent versions took that bit out and replaced it with a different shot. Huh. But it's not true. It has been digitally manipulated okay. to add that effect of what looks like a swinging body. So, but somebody made it up. Right. And it's it's not true. So if anybody tells you that there's a, a, a dead hanging, dwarf... Hanging dwarf. Um, oh, in the Wizard awful. of Oz, it's it is a lie. Also, apparently, a lie is um, the fact that all of the uh, actors playing the Munchkins were a bunch of uh, horned up drunks <laughs> who um, every night at their hotel, the hundred and twenty of them would, you know, get drunk, have orgies with each other, and and just tear the joint up, and some people you know, who were interviewed, because I think there may be one original uh, Munchkin actor left, still alive. That person may have passed, too. But yeah. they they had some footage from way back when, and they said, no, it wasn't anything like that. We wouldn't have been able to work the next day if we were all tanked up. Yeah. Um, there may have been a few people who were taking advantage of, you know, being in some place that was not their normal environment yeah surrounded by people their size so i'm sure there were some hookups and i'm sure there was some imbibing going on but like it would be among regular size people right Uh, or any other demographic of people you know and judy garland is at part at fault for that it well actually she's not in part she is at fault for For the rumor yeah about the dwarfs yes because she appeared on the jack parr show and uh it is claimed by some that she herself was drunk and um, and said that, you know, they were all all hammered every night. Um, so, you know, she she's the one who gave that sort of a boost since she was, you know, in the movie. Yeah. But. One would think that she would be a credible source, but... But I doubt she stayed in the same hotel as the Munchkins. Probably not. (laughs) So, anyway. What is that second film? I cannot remember. I don't know. Uh, But, yeah, she she had her own issues. Yes, she did. I think there might have been just a skosh of deflection going on there. But... um, yeah, she uh, she 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 claimed that they were they were uh, a wreck and a mess, um, and didn't help things too much. That um, her being in the movie made it seem like it was like she was a credible source. Definitely true. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, let's see. 
Quiet zone. If you hear weird noises, it's because I'm chasing a split down my thumbnail with an emery board. So if you hear, it's me trying to grind down a hoof. Duh, Rosemary's Baby. That was the second episode. Oh, how could this possibly have been cursed? <laughs> um, what are yeah. the stories? Well, it's mostly what happened afterward with, um, you know, Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, being butchered by the Manson clan. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, he comforted himself with a minor and... I'm not sure when that happened. I think it was afterward, but... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, I've enjoyed this series. Uh, it's interesting to see the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, they started in episode or in season one with the Exorcist, followed by the Omen, Poltergeist, The Crow, and The Twilight Zone, mm -hmm. the movie. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's been a lot of fun. I have enjoyed that and can't wait to see more. The new episodes. Uh, for season two of Cursed Films comes out on Thursday. So they drop one a week. Okay. So if you're interested, check that out. Shudder. Shudder. It's on Shudder. Um, you got anything else? I don't. Well, that will take care of it for this week on Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. We appreciate you listening. Uh, we saw a bump up in uh, downloads recently, so thank you very much for that. If you'd be so kind, just share us on your social media. Uh, tell folks to listen to us on Apple Podcast, Also Spotify. We're available on pretty much any podcatcher that you may have on your phone or tablet. Please uh, follow me on Twitter at MovieManStan. Follow the podcast at CT Marriage. You can send us uh, your recommendations for something to watch if you'd like. Uh, tell us what it is, where we can find it, and why we should watch it. Send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the description of this episode. A pleasure, as always. Oh, thank you. Me, too. And you are next week. Uh-huh. And you know what we're going to watch? Um, I have thoughts. Okay. Well, I already know what we're going to watch in two weeks. Quit it. Yeah, I do. No way. And there's a very specific reason for it. So, oh, okay. Anyway, uh, well, that will take care of it for this week. I'm Stan the Movie Man. She's Maud the uh, Woody the Woodpecker Broad. Yeah. Uh, until next time, love you. Love you. And later. later. Yay!